This is Hooks and Runs, a podcast about baseball, music, and culture. I'm Craig. Of course, we have Eric here with us. And we are back and thawed out after a week from hell here in the studio at Eric's place. No power for five days at least. Yeah, no power of water. That was absolute. I, that, that was this was way worse than Harvey. Harvey had you know wet sheetrock and stuff. So we ha- also had that with busted water in the. Yeah. Sea. I mean, so not only do you have busted pipes and sheetrock is bad, but you have to Temperature go through, go through the like, night at fourteen yeah. degrees without any heat. It's just. That was awful. Well, thank I mean, God y'all have a wood-burning I'm, stove I still here. have, like, PTSD from last week. I'm, I'm still not <laughs> right. You, you don't sleep. You're just in a constant state of stress and worry, you know? It's no laughing matter. We have we have people that listen all over the country, and um, we get listeners from places like Virginia and Washington State and California and the whole bit. But the death toll from this blast, even though we kind of, you know, kind of laugh our way through it has been really tragic there's been just horrible stories of people dying of hypothermia one one fort worth ambulance company i saw today in the paper answered 77 hypothermia calls in one day last wednesday yeah That's one company it all started uh last friday when that huge wreck happened in fort worth right and i guess that was kind of the precursor for i guess everybody was watching that and you're like uh-oh this may be this may be something and I, I jokingly on Sunday night stayed up down here because there was it was thunder and lightning with snow on the way. Yeah. So I was like, I guess I'll take this opportunity to check out what thunder snow is. Yeah. We, we and then did. and then the lights go off and that's when it hits. You're like, oh no, this is serious. It's, you know? Yeah, it was bad. We're, we're we're southwest of Houston, and when we see on weather.com or whatever 12 degrees, we just have no preparation for that. <laughs> on Wednesday morning when I woke up, it was colder at my house than it was in Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> exactly. Crazy low temperatures. We just aren't prepared for that. But uh, anyway, we certainly pray for everybody affected uh, and still affected by this freeze. And if you're in a position to help people in need, you know, please consider doing what you can. There are a lot of people in dire straits in Texas and uh, over this. Uh, the result for Hooks and Runs was just that we didn't have an episode last week, which makes our two-episode week earlier in February a little more important to us. It means today you're going to get two interviews for the price of one. We had an interview scheduled for last week with Ward Gunther. He's the founder of Whiskey Jam, a major independent music showcase in Nashville, also the host of the Ward Gunther Show on Apple Music. That interview, which we recorded for last week's episode, will be played this week. So we have two really fun interviews we're also going to do a little bit at the end on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations. But we start with two very dear friends who are natives of our home county, Tiffany and Caitlin Saunders. Tiffany and Caitlin live in Austin. Tiffany is a media services coordinator for the Austin Independent School District, where she manages the district's broadcast station. Caitlin is an account manager with Coca-Cola, and she travels around her area working with stores and selling her product line. But they are here today because... And we wanted them on the show because in their spare time, they are elite, world-class athletes who have traveled around the country and around the world competing in marathons, triathlons, and Ironman competitions. And we just wanted to see what that's all about. And they train in this weather. They they train in this weather. Yeah. So Tiffany and Caitlin, welcome to Hooks and Runs. Hey, thanks for having us. We are happy to be here and uh, so elated that you reached out the invite. Well, yeah, pleasure is ours. 
The pleasure is ours. I remember over Christmas, I think it was right before Christmas or maybe in early December, we got some very cold weather in the state. Nothing like what we just had, though. But y'all got ice and snow, and Austin and Tiffany posted a video from the comfort of her warm car while, Caitlin, you were training and running in that weather. So were either yeah. of you ever even able to train this week? What was, how bad did it get in? Did y'all get any training in? Oh, boy, did we get some training in. We had to pivot quite a bit. Obviously, the gyms were closed, so we weren't were not able to swim. And it was too damn cold to run outside, plus the, the road conditions were very slick. So that left us in our pain cave on our bike. So we got in some good quality bike time for sure. Well, 11 good. and a half hours to be exact. Wow. That's amazing. Okay, so that that's, that's dedication right there. I, 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 in 2009, trained for the Houston Marathon and completed it. It was brutal in the wintertime to train because that's when you're really starting to, the, the marathon's held in every January. And so December, you're, you're ramping up your mileage, and it's just like, man, the, the parties, the food, the booze, <laughs> and you just got to kind of tuck it all away. But one of the things that just I would like to square square away right now, people throw around the term marathon when they ran like a 5K, or they'll say, I did an Ironman today. And Why I'm are like, you looking at me when you say that? Well, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> or, or they're like, hey, I did, a, I did an Ironman today. I'm like, Th- those take a long time. No, you didn't. And then so <laughs> can, can you just give our – okay, what – Explain what a marathon is, and then let's talk about the different triathlon distances. Yeah, sure. So so a marathon, technically speaking, is a run that is 26.2 miles in distance. There you go. And then, of course, you have the half marathon, which is half that distance. And a 5K is 3.1 miles, and a 10K is 6.2 miles. So those are all variations of runs. And anybody who gets out the door and does any version of those, you know, hats off because there's a lot of people just sitting on the couch. So it doesn't matter, you know, what you do. But, yeah, just call it what it actually is out of respect for those who do put in the hours of training for the ultra distances. The distances of triathlon that we really specialize in is the half Ironman which is a total of 70.3 miles. It starts off with a 1.2-mile swim. Then you get on the bike and ride 56 miles, and then you complete the race with a 13.1-mile run, so that creates your half Ironman. And then if you were to do a full Ironman, which combined the two of us have done five total, it's double the distance of all those, so a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bike, and the marathon 26.2 mile run at the end of the Ironman distance race. So those <laughs> are the- Y'all do all that before you run a marathon. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, the, the crazy thing is, is, and people ask us all the time, you know, which is harder a marathon or an Ironman. And you would definitely think Ironman because you're out there for 12, 13, 14 hours. But really the marathon's hard because you're training specifically just to run a marathon and you don't have as much cross training. So there's a lot more wear and tear on your body. And then just running is you really have to, to really be focused on that. And I think in an Ironman, by the time you're done with a swim and bike, you're so glad to be on that run because really, if you can gut it out for three, three and a half hours in the marathon, then, you know, that's easy. I mean, you can, I mean, honestly, if you wanted to, you could walk the, the marathon yeah. uh, as long as you meet the time cutoff. So, so I've never thought that the the marathon run as part of an Ironman was 
was ever that intimidating. But you say, you know, we're going to run a, a marathon and that you know, standalone marathon is like, whoa, that's <laughs> wow. OK. We're going to we're going to buckle down and, and train for that. So and, and that will be on the horizon probably in a couple years again. Well, the Ironman, the two different Ironmans you talked about are a variation or an extension of the Olympic sport of triathlon. So do you, what do you have you ever done the Olympic version of the triathlon? Yes, we've done Olympic distance. Those are actually hard to find. There aren't too many of those that exist anymore. That's um, odd. I guess because Ironman's so popular, and it's in, in uh, right, yeah. right. Everybody wants to do the long, the the really long stuff or the short stuff in the the sprint triathlon. So uh, I'm not well versed on the exact distances of the Olympic distance. But it's, well, I, I, pull, like I have 50, them. 50. Okay, you can you can educate <laughs> yeah. us. I think like a fifteen hundred. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know. I know y'all have got all your races posted, but the Olympic is point uh, nine three miles. So I don't know what that is in meters. And then probably the, around fifteen hundred. Okay, and then the bike is twenty five miles, so a little under half of the seventy point three. Mm-hmm. And then the run is six point two, which 10K. is a which is a ten k. Right. Yeah, and and honestly, for me, for Tiffany, that is like the distance that is my specialty. And so I wish there were more Olympics because the swim, if you look at it compared to the other distance triathlons, the swim is disproportionate where where it's a little bit longer in the yeah. Olympic distance. And that's kind of my forte. So I can get out of the water with a decent lead and then try to hang on and <laughs> and yeah. uh, get on the podium. So yeah, that, that's, the, the I wish sw- there were more. Yeah, the swim is 80% of the... 70.3, but the rest are either 50% or less. So, mm-hmm. so okay, if you look at a 70.3, 1.2 miles of the swim, 56 miles on the bike, 13.1 on the run, are they, for an, a typical triathlon athlete, are they equally timed? Is that set up so that for most competitive triathletes doing a 70.3, you spend as much time in the water as you do on the bike as you do on the run? No, at, typically the swim will be your shortest time, and then the bike portion will be the the largest amount of time, and then the the run it will be somewhere in between time, you know, time wise. And then the other thing I was going to ask because you were talking about doing the marathon as or or the run, the marathon in the one forty point six Ironman versus just doing a marathon. So you've done both. What? What are your time differences? How much time do you lose running a marathon after the swim and the and the bike off of say just a marathon run? Well, funny funny thing is, prior to the last standalone marathon Tiffany and I did, our fastest marathon actually came at during Ironman Texas. You That's would crazy. think that I, would not, I know it's I would wild. Not think you would that. think doing a standalone marathon would be our best time, but actually our best marathon time came during an Ironman event. So when you when you do these, because y'all do races that people come from all over the country and the in the world or the hemisphere to run. Yeah. So what? I guess y'all have chips that give you all of that information, right? Right, right, correct. Yeah, yeah typically in typically in a a triathlon, that you'll get a chip that's part of a Velcro that you attach around your ankle, and then in a running event, there's a little timing chip attached to what we call a bib. It's that a piece of paper that you uh, attach across your waist. Okay. Okay. So how did y'all get into this? What What is it that drew you into what I would call extreme racing? Because the most I've ever run is a 5K. <laughs> and what was the progression? Because I just don't think you wake up one morning in Austin, Texas and say, yeah, I'm going to swim, bike, and run 70.3 miles. There had to be some kind of a progression to get to, to where you're doing this type of race. 
Well, for me, it was in 2009, and I was out of shape at the time, and I had just bought a road bike because I thought, well, it'll give me some type of motivation to get out the door and, and work out. And one night, I was just kind of bored and surfing around to see, well, you know, I'm just that type of person that I want to do more. And, and what can I do with my road bike that'll incentivize getting in shape, kind of keep me accountable? And uh, I found a triathlon that was going to be held in early May in New Braunfels. And it stood out to me because the distances of this triathlon were like the shortest of all the triathlons that were listed on this site that I was on. I'm like, well, I'm going to do that one because everything's short. And uh, it was like a 300-yard swim, 11-mile bike, and a two-mile run. And, and right there, that's what stood out. It was like a two-mile run, that's great. Because at that time, I was not a runner. I could run to the end of the street and back, maybe. You know, growing up as an athlete, my idea of running was running the bases in softball. So running yeah. anything for any type of distance for endurance never clicked. I never really understood how to do that. And so I'm like, I can do this real short triathlon and, and you know, gave me something to train for over the, the next two or three months. I, I got fitter, lost weight, did that first race, and it was hard. It was like the hardest thing I ever did. But literally as soon as I crossed that finish line, I was like, I got to find the next one. And so from there I was hooked. And then, of course, once you get hooked, then it's like I want to find a longer race. I want to do a half Ironman. I want to do an Ironman and, and just – the, the euphoria you feel when you cross those finish lines, it, it, it is kind of like a drug and, and you're always looking to, to do more. And then, you know, I was happy with doing well, but really the last four or five years, especially since Caitlin and I have been doing this together, I think we've kind of pulled up, uh, off one another that we want to just see how good we can be. And so we really started taking it seriously um, right around the time that we qualified for the world championship. And, and now it's like, that's the carrot that's dangling is like, how good can we be? Can we get to the real elite level and can we qualify for world championships and, and just kind of keep this as a lifestyle where we travel around the world doing these amazing races. And, and before pandemic last year, our goal was to qualify for the world championship half Ironman, which was, to have been in New Zealand and that was our goal and we were just so devastated for many reasons that 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 didn't happen but now it's been rescheduled if, if it does happen it'll be in 2022 so it kind of shifted our schedule and our plan a little bit but you know we just want to see how how much we can push ourselves how good we can be and how fast we can get every single race yeah and so in in 2018 you started traveling uh, Colorado, the Three Creeks Half Marathon. So talk to me about traveling, because I know that's a real popular thing um, amongst uh, marathoners and half marathoners, you know, going to and all the rock and roll circuit, going to San Diego or Phoenix or Miami. They, you know, traveling for how does that help you with your preparation? And th does traveling make the competition easier or harder? I would say maybe the, tra the traveling is just the experience and it's entirety but i don't know that it makes the competition easier being that we're traveling to somewhat unknown territory and sometimes it's altitude and you've got a running at altitude is a total different experience than what we're doing here at sea level for sure yeah so it takes a little uh getting used to 
we, we love making vacations out of any trip we do, wherever we go. We're always looking to see if there's any type of 5K race at least or 10K or we'll put the bike rack on this car and we'll take the bikes and hopefully we can find a triathlon somewhere. We're always, when when we say we're going on vacation, <laughs> yeah, the race is definitely the, race, the, the requirement. Race we've, we, we've got to find a race. It, it does, like, like she said, it doesn't matter whether it's a 5K or a 10K. We, we try to find at least a 10K, but something just so we can justify drinking craft beer afterwards. But yeah, yeah we like exactly. to go to Colorado and race up there and, the level of competition in Colorado is pretty serious. So to say that we can hold our own when we go up there, you know, that means a lot to us. But yeah, but that, yeah, that, yeah, that's tough. I, I uh, remember saying to myself when I went to New Mexico last, Red River, which is over a mile high. I think the city's around seventy-seven hundred feet. I said I'm going to do a CrossFit workout when I get there, and it's like <laughs> I was too winded looking up mm-hmm. the CrossFit gym on mm-hmm. the phone book to, mm-hmm. to do yeah. it, to, to do it. You know, walking three blocks. You know, and you know, you can also feel that in the water as well while you're swimming. Really? You wouldn't think it. Yeah. So, Caitlin, so. How, how did you get hooked on this? We heard Tiffany's story. What was your progression into spending all day running well, and biking? I was, uh, well, still am friends of the, another local Mata, lady from Matagorda, Marsha Butler. And she had the idea one day, probably about nine years ago, said, hey, you know, what do you think about doing a triathlon? And I was like, well, I don't know anything about them, but I'm game. And so... Her and I spent some time training for, like Tiffany, the shortest triathlon we could find. And this particular one took place in the Bastrop State Park. I think it was kind of the same distance as well, a 300-meter swim, 11-mile bike. But the thing about that was it was through the park, and it's got it's got some massive climbs. And then there was a two- or three-mile run. So I did that, and I was hooked. But just about a month before that race is when Tiffany and I met, and Tiffany... It was a much better swimmer than I am. As she she grew up a swimmer, and at the start of this triathlon training for myself was when I actually started to really swim. So Tiffany gave me lots of uh, good swimming tips along the way. And after that triathlon I did in Bastrop, Tiffany and I were attached to the hip, trying to do whatever workouts we could together. And I was I worked out with her along the way during her Ironman journey. And after she completed her Ironman. I wanted to do my own, and so that's when I was just completely hooked. All right. So when did you do your complete your first 70.3? I believe that was in Galveston 2015. Okay. 2015, I believe, was my first 70.3. You know what? No, no, no. Maybe 2014, I believe, in Galveston was my first 70.3, and then my first full Ironman was in the Woodlands in 2015. Wow. And okay. so that was that – was, also Tiffany's second full Ironman. And then, then we did another one together in 2017. Okay. Well, in 2018, you qualified for the World Championships for the first time, right? Both of you did, right? Correct. Yep. You- we did that at the 70.3 Buffalo Lake, Buffalo Springs Lake Triathlon, which is in Lubbock, Texas. And that was held in South Africa. Tell us about that trip because that's, that's, that's an incredible journey. And you have to actually, I think... Because one of the things when you travel is you don't, everything's unfamiliar, whether you're going to Boulder, Colorado, or Johannesburg, South Africa, or, or wherever this was held. You're, 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 it's not your food. It's not your bed. It's not your shower. It's not your anything. It's not your car to get from place to place. How do you 
What's, it's not the same side of the road either. It's not the same side <laughs> of the road. That's true. So how did how did you adjust for that? Because you're competing in the world championships, and uh, you had to have gone a little early to get just kind of acclimated so that you know you'd be prepared. I would think. Oh, for sure, for sure. I believe we we arrived about a week early. Kind of got situated. You know, learned our surroundings a little bit. Did some um, reconnaissance of the course. Took in, you know, the wonderful people. I mean, South Africa, if it's not on your bucket list, then you certainly need to put it there because it, it was absolutely a trip of a lifetime. And, you know, I would absolutely love to go back in a heartbeat, but, you know, there's just so many other places that we would like to explore. So I don't know that we ever will, but it's an absolute, it was mind blowing how wonderful of a trip in every aspect that South Africa was. Was that in Johannesburg or somewhere else? Because that's the only city I know in South Africa. <laughs> yeah, it was in Port Elizabeth, which is on the okay. southeast side of the Cape in Nelson Mandela Bay. So we actually swam in the Indian Ocean. Oh, and that's crazy. they were actually coming out of winter. So it was a little chilly. I think the water temperature was 15 Celsius. So that equated to be about 57 degrees Fahrenheit. We had to rent full sleeve wetsuits because all we own are sleeveless wetsuits because all we've ever had to do up to that point as far as wetsuit swimming was swimming in off its bayou back behind Moody Gardens for the Galveston 70.3. So a full sleeve suit and cold, cold water was definitely foreign to us. I think that was maybe the biggest adjustment, but that was also the most exhilarating part of the race because you're swimming in these crystal clear cold waters and just so beautiful to take it all in while you're racing, you know, and trying to pinch yourself, <laughs> trying yeah. to believe that's you know, cold, this is really happening. That is cold. That's, that's really cold. I think <laughs> it's hard to imagine. There were some Europeans there <laughs> and Scandinavians that were at that race that were doing the practice swim just in speedos. Yeah, but, they're, was, but they're crazy. Was, they're crazy. Yeah, they're, they're crazy. <laughs> they, they, don't care what, they don't care what the temperature is. Yeah, they don't care. They're going to get in the water. It all, it's all different. All, it's all a factor. If you think yeah. about it, there's a, a transient worker down here from Indiana uh, doing some short-term work, and he was his buddies back home were like, I guess some Texas boys aren't tough. And he was like, guys. <laughs> This is, it's not like you're used to back home. This, I can't, like, I can't describe when you bring in the humidity, how, the, how it, it goes. This is the coldest I've ever felt in my entire life. That's from Indiana. Is, yeah. This is a guy from up north. So, I mean, it, it does play a part. I mean, if you're not used to it, you know. Well, I can tell you, uh, we've skied in Red River and it's been zero. And I'll go out in just jeans, no yeah. long johns, and a, and a flannel shirt. And feels and, great. And I'm, I wouldn't say it feels great, but. <laughs> But I'm not. I'm not going outside in that when it's 12 here. I can right. promise you that. Yeah. So y'all had a uh, looks like a fun race in December. Y'all went to Daytona Speedway. Yeah, I, I did not even know they did that. I'm a big NASCAR <laughs> fan, and so I've been watching the past two it's weeks. All and, Eric talks about. Yeah, they, <laughs> yes, and, and then I was thinking to myself, of course, if there's any type of race or racing that can be done at Daytona, it doesn't have to necessarily be in vehicles. They're going to have it at Daytona because they love racing anything there. So what was that like? Uh, man, that's right up there with the South Africa trip. Just, you know, I, as a kid, I was a NASCAR fan up until probably the, the race Dale Earnhardt yeah. passed away. And that then I kind of just, you know, lost interest. But growing up a NASCAR fan and just knowing the spectacle of what Daytona means to the sport and being a, a 
you know, global racing destination that we got to ride our bikes on the track. That's so cool. And, you know, run around the, the apron of the track during the race. It was incredible. And, I mean, and, and there's a lake in the middle of the racetrack, right. and that's where we swam. So, so it was uh, pretty much all encompassed. Now, it was the half iron distance. Uh, which you can't call it half Ironman because it's that's owned by the corporation. So it was a seventy point three distance, and we we did two and a half laps of the bike on the track, and then we went out into rural Florida beyond Daytona Beach, and then we rode our bikes back into the track, and then we ran the entire thirteen point one miles. Uh, it was a couple laps around the track plus some, um, but it was and it, it happened to be just a perfect day for racing and. The fact that we didn't even know or think that there would be a race in 2020, we kind of probably early August resigned ourselves that we weren't going to race. And then this came on our radar and we decided it was worth it to us to put our training to the test and go do this race for sure. And it was the second year of this race happening. So we really didn't know about it either until we were watching some pro triathlete YouTube blogs and we're like, oh, we need to put this on our bucket list. Well, we didn't realize our bucket list was going to be for 2020. We thought, you know, maybe yeah. three or four years from now we would do the race, but uh, we it, did it last year and we're so glad we did. It looked like you both had pretty good times. We both had phenomenal times. We each PR'd, which is, it's was an incredible feeling. Yeah, we, I think we each, P, I PR'd um, my swim time, my bike time, and my, oops, well, you know, my runtime and the overall total yeah, time. Nice. So I had four PRs on that day. So did I. Like, <laughs> wow. I can't remember if your swim was PR. Yeah, well, what do you was, know? My swim was like four minutes faster than, than any other race. What do you know, Eric? They told us a fast track. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, you know, you can watch those races on TV and you can think, wow, that track is huge. But until you see it in person, it absolutely takes your breath away. Yeah, so it really the, does. Those super speedways. Stand, yeah. Oh, yeah. The grandstand from one end to another is a half a mile long. Right, yeah. I mean, it's just, it just takes your breath away. And, you know, a part of the race, uh, when we went from the swim transition to bike, it's the very first part of the bike, it kind of dumps you onto a small bank. And it's just exhilarating, very much exhilarating. Well, y'all have, we're going to ask you in a minute about your uh, websites and your YouTube videos and where people can check out all of your activities. But I was going to ask you, because you have a ton of recipes on your website, what is your go-to recipe that you would recommend to somebody that wants to find a healthy alternative? Where would you start of your recipes? Something that we really enjoy take, uh, making, and you can put your own variation on it, is our uh, savory waffle. So it's um, a waffle mix, but instead of using flour, we like to grind up oatmeal and into a flour consistency so you're getting some benefits out of that as well we like to do sauteed asparagus corn bell pepper garlic into the mix and then put in the waffle iron and then we'll top it with two fried eggs and it's it's a very yummy go-to meal in our household well, good. but you know you can anyone can put their own spin or variation on it so where would they find that where's your website team saunders try that t-r-i Com. Okay. Tons of information there. Your training schedule and your tons of recipes, drink recipes, the whole <laughs> Yeah, bed. not all recipes are healthy, but uh, <laughs> we, we tried to make some. Healthy or fun, right? Healthy or fun. Yeah. 
Right. Um, Everything in moderation. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And, and we have to shout out that uh, uh, Shelby's chicken and rice salad is also featured on, on the website. Cool. So, uh, you know, that was a little inspiration that we had to <laughs> share out there. That's awesome. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. That's my daughter, by the way. Yeah. Award-winning <laughs> recipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Team Saunders, S-A-U-N-D-E-R-S, try, TeamSaundersTry.com for the website. You have a YouTube channel? Yeah. We are on YouTube at Team Saunders Try. That's actually where you can find all of our social media. And we've been, for about a year now, we've been consistently doing weekly video journals of our training, racing, um, and just kind of the, the lifestyle that we like to live, the things in Austin that we love. And, yeah, that's been actually going pretty well recently. I think a lot of people saw our content from Daytona. We did a three-part series on on that experience, and I think a lot of people have seen that, and we're starting to get some new subscribers. We actually celebrated 100 subscribers a week Ooh. ago. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, you know, look victories but that's been fun because you know that's kind of my you know bread and butter is is creating and and reaching into that pocket of being able to tell a story and 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 i think you know hopefully somewhere along the way we inspire some people motivate some people and we hear it all the time that people reach out to us and like you know you you inspired us to to get up and go for a walk or i'm eating healthier now and you know we probably don't even know the magnitude of, of how many people really see the content and maybe get started on their own journey, but it means a lot to us when people tell us that it impacted their lives in some way. I really think there's a lot to be said for that. People think, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. Well, you can get up and you can walk around your block a couple of times, right. or you can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can choose a healthier alternative and i mean your example is great because you started like oh two miles i can maybe run two miles mm-hmm. and now you're running 13.1 miles after the swim and the bike in johannesburg or in south africa yeah and, and I'll, you know i'll also say you know not a lot of people know this but when i right before i started my first triathlon i was probably 180 pounds mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, yeah, more than 50 pounds less than that now. And it just takes time. You, it, and it, but it all starts with one step and, and making those small changes to get out the door or making those small substitutions in the kitchen. And it, it adds up over time, and it's totally worth it. I wouldn't change this path that I've been on in the last 11 years, and triathlon's been great to me. TeamSaundersTry.com. We'll have it on the notes uh, with the podcast along with the YouTube channel, Tiffany and Caitlin, thank you so much for being on. We have enjoyed it, and uh, good luck in 21. I'm going running tomorrow. (laughs) We're going to go run. All right, all right. Let us know how it goes. All right. right. Take care. Thank you. All right, that was Tiffany and Caitlin Saunders, TeamSaundersTry.com. Check out the links in the description. Eric, you've run a marathon. I've, I've only run 5Ks. That's as far as I've gone. Well, I just don't understand why people want to run twenty six two, and I really don't understand why they want to do it after. After uh, I did it just after, so I could say I did it. I don't know if I ever do it again. <laughs> it's, it's been eleven years. Yeah, most painful things I've ever done. It's tough. Well, listen, they're good friends, and we appreciate having them on. And check out the website; tons of information. I met Ward almost ten years ago in Nashville, and uh, he is literally the only reason I have. A subscription to Apple Music. So if anyone's listening from Apple, Ward Gunther's a reason to have everybody welcome Ward Gunther. How you doing, Ward? Hey, Ward. I'm good, man. Was it was it ten years ago for real? Yeah, bro. Yep. 
Yeah. It's crazy. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? And, uh, and in 10 years, I just want to let our listeners know, you started a thing in Nashville called Whiskey Jam, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was, all, like, you just celebrated your 10-year anniversary. Yep. Uh, at the end of January 2021, we, we hit 10 years. So January 2011, we were just hanging out at this bar watching sports and obviously the football season was coming to an end we're like we want to keep on hanging out here can we do a maybe a music event on monday night since monday night football was over and this is totally true it worked out that people were off of tour the musicians that were in town had monday night it was kind of like one of their weekend nights and we just it really naturally started as a night to get together with your friends and play music and have some drinks and have some fun and yeah here we are and that you, you make a good point. I always tell people that ask me, "Hey, when should we go to Nashville?" I said, "It doesn't matter what time of year you go, but don't go on the weekends. You're not going to have that much fun. You need to go on like a Monday and a Tuesday because that's when, in my opinion, it's fun." And because, like you just oh. said, everyone's off tour. Well, it's crazy, man. Because I got the closest feeling to early Nashville in those Monday Tuesday night. Those were my favorite nights ever. There's a tin roof event on Tuesday nights when I moved to town. It was probably my most formative music event experience in town. And it was because it was a Tuesday. It was all locals. It was late. So you had party people who partied on a Tuesday night. You get like a specific crowd. And then I went out to a show recently in town here and there was the amount of people out because of restrictions and COVID and it being a weeknight or whatever was like the old days. It was incredible, man. Cause it's like you get to, you're not affected by your memories aren't from being bumped around the bar and taking you 20 minutes to get to the bar. You can get to the bar, you can get your drink, you can hear the band, you can talk to them, you can interact and really get right. the feel of the city, which is like, you miss that so much. If you go out on a Saturday night in a peak season, it's like, Oh, have fun. Good luck. You know, just, you know, it's like when I started working at Santa's Pub, it had that, it, you know, almost 10 years ago. Wow. It had that same vibe at first. It was locals just vibing amongst themselves. And then things just take off. And the bar that Whiskey Jam, is it still being held at Winters on Mondays? Yeah. Okay. You've actually seen that bar change. Like, I mean. We're, it's <laughs> incredible. We were talking about it last night. It was 2009. Avatar had come out. I went to see Avatar. I went to Blue Bar across the street after that to set up for a party that we were throwing there that night. And I walked across the street to Winners to grab a ladder because it was being changed from a tanning salon into a bar. So in 2009, this place was like straight up a tanning salon. It was a joke name opening up next door to Losers, which was an incredibly like virally popular bar. And so they opened up Winners as a joke. And they're like, well, I guess to make it a sports bar. And so it, for a couple of years, it was, we hung out there because for that same reason, Santa's Club, you know, it's like you don't go to probably Brewhouse to watch sports. We want to go to Winners because nobody's going to be there. Exactly. <laughs> and no one's going to be there. Yes, you can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, it's funny how, I mean, Nashville goes like that. It's like you'd rather go to the to the venue that there's 12 people instead of, yeah, of course. whatever. Yeah, I mean, and uh, – and, yeah, because I was like at, at Santa's Pub, it, there would be, you know, there was a time when I was working there, there would be just like uh, Grammy Award winner, uh, Grammy Award winner, uh, number one songwriter, and then like me and Santa. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That, that was it. That's the only people in the bar. And, you know, because they wanted to sing karaoke amongst them and their friends. And kind of like, you, you know, about winners, they just want to just hang out by themselves. But then as everything Nashville related goes, when something gets popular, it gets like too popular. Right. 
and then everyone shows up. But fortunately for you, you got popular with, I guess, finding new talent. I mean, I would have to call you the number one A&R person in Nashville because you see new talent <laughs> all the time. It's crazy, man. I, I wish I could take some sort of like magical credit where if I hear a song, I know that it's a hit or with it, how great it could be. Because, I mean, admittedly, I was, I've been way off. We had Casey Musgraves on our stage in 2012, and I'm like, she's pretty good. You know, <laughs> you get Luke Combs emailing me from college in 2014 and then coming to town, I'm like, I, I, I don't get it. You know, beer can, what it, it's like, I, I, I got it. I love the guy. And, but seriously, yeah, if, if it was, if I was some musical country music genius, I think it really is just that we created an environment that draws that stuff in at such a level that I can be selective. So that to say, like we created a very friendly, open, welcoming, I guess, non-judgmental yeah, atmosphere. You've always been like that. That's why I've always appreciated you. You've never been like an to anyone. You've just always been, <laughs> hey, I'm Ward. Here's the stage. Go do your thing. You know. You've never, yeah, you, you, you never talk negatively about anyone. That's why I also respect you. You just, they, you know, I'm sure there have been some people come on the Whiskey Jeff stage and you're like, that's like cringeworthy. You're like, oh, gosh. <laughs> We've had a couple always go to the bartenders. I'm like, why'd you book this girl? And they're going, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Hey, how, what is the vetting process to get a spot on the Whiskey Jam? I get my submissions. We have a, a submission form online. And so I get a bunch of those emails, but man, to be completely honest, I try to keep up with that. But after last year, after like being at home for six straight months and I didn't check those emails, I don't think I'm going to, I might not keep that submission form open because we have so much great music come in through friends, uh, people honestly messaging us on Instagram or a manager that's working with a new artist. It's become kind of a, I don't want to say this, but it's a perpetual motion machine where so many people are moving to town. We're a great spot on the map of, as far as like your little ladder of your Nashville journey. Yeah. It happens real naturally. And with every person that leaves that program for Mary Morris's example, she was, she played several of our shows and left. And it was like, Oh, well gosh, you have to play with you because Mary Morris played it. You know, yeah. if you want to yeah. do what she did. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a, seems to be a, a path that people can take. Well, it but, is. And yeah. I, I always heard that. But you know, back in the day when I was like, uh, DJ Silver is the one who gave me your your number, and uh-huh. I was like, I was like, so so DJ, I was like, hey man, how do you get on that Whiskey Jam stage? He was like, oh, just text Ward here. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. oh, okay, no problem. <laughs> there is a difference between hearing somebody's record or demo. And right. knowing knowing what they can do on the stage, right? A hundred thousand percent. Yeah. That's been one of the biggest, and I think one of the most exciting things for people to participate. I saw it last night. We had a show, and the girl that kicked it off was playing with a band, and it was probably her first time playing with that band in that setup on that stage at that volume. And then you could just see it. She was looking around at him like, "Oh my gosh, this feels so good. This sounds so good." And dude, nobody in town at her level has enough resources. I don't care if it's money. Right. You can have all the money in the world. You can't find the right studio with the right musicians. So capture that. And then, right. I mean, few artists probably do really get the essence of that live show. And so on a really, really small scale for what we're doing, we're usually, I guess, we get the best version of the artists we get in that setting. So it's like, I don't know, it's pretty unique, but I can't rely on a demo or right. check my uh, check this song on, on these streaming platforms. Like, 
yeah, like, like SoundCloud like or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, you don't so you don't know just, what into what went into the demo though. It can be like a really expensive demo. Somebody put a lot of money into it and it sounds great, but right. then you put them on stage and they they haven't been on stage or they right. don't have the the chops right. yet. Hey, I was going to go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say a lot of this is like many other things in Nashville, and it's hang bait. Like if you're a good guitar player and there's a two degree better guitar player than you that's not a fun hang, you get the call. You know. Yeah. 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 for any line of work and so it's like man if somebody reaches out to us and wants to play and has a unique approach if it's a obvious fake email with a big long resume saying who he's opened up for and all this stuff it's like I'd rather go hey man want to drink with you with my friends I think this is the place to do it <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah so I'm like you'd be good for the vibe <laughs> yeah let me ask you this if you were going to buy stock in an artist for 2021 who would you choose besides GameStop besides GameStop <laughs> <laughs> Let me man, let me look at my notes. It's so funny because I've I've listened to so much music and I keep up with so many musicians. When it comes like, what's your favorite song? I'm like, oh, well, I gotta I, keep. you do a great job on your on your on your radio show of of definitely showing new talent, displaying. I mean, new name names I've never even heard of. You know, right? And that's why mm-hmm. I love your radio show so much. It's it's you sit on the back porch, sun setting. Put the show on, crack open a beer, and you know this, it's a good setting. And, but you, even on your show, you are way more advanced in this new talent thing than, than even I am. That you're, you're just so in tune with it. And I always feel like if like if I just like won the lottery, I'd be like, hey, War, let's just open up a record label, and you're in charge. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That'd be so much. It'd be so much fun to lose all our money together. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Well, it, to answer your question, I feel like, I mean, somebody that's on the top of my mind right now, Morgan Wade. And it yes. might not be like. You got to be kidding me. Like, you said that. I can't believe you said that because I. Really? Go ahead. Go ahead and tell me why you think that. And then I'll tell you what well, happened this week with me. We see a lot of people um, go through a process. And it's like you they introduce the artist and they put out their debut couple singles, figure out their style, you get their EP. And then years later, you get an album. But you know, I mean. I'm looking at Alex Hall. He has a new EP out right now. I've, I've, we've been hearing Alex for years. We were completely aware of him. So for Morgan Wade to come onto the scene, I mean, really, that's, she's a making her emergence with, a, I guess, the biggest audience that we're going to hear with a phenomenal, incredible record. Yeah. Like, I knew about her, and then I heard the record. I, I knew about her, and I liked her. I heard about the record. I was like, this is going to be so cool to say that we, like, talk to her before this record came out <laughs> yeah that would be well um, on on january the 29th i was running errands in town with my daughter and i, tur- I put on the indigo playlist from spotify yeah. i just i just hit a random song and it was morgan wade's wilder days oh man and i loved it my daughter loved it she's 25 i went immediately home and looked her up and listened to a couple of other songs and thought they were great the record's produced by sadler vaden who's jason isbell's guitar player and that mm-hmm. song Wild Today yeah. was co-written. So this has become like my new favorite new artist. Yes. Uh, in the, in the yeah, last she, week. I can't believe you, up on I can't like, believe you said that. I've never heard of her before, but now now it's like I'm going to get yeah. the record. Man, you have to just pre-save the record so you get notified when it comes out because Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank so, God. So Ward, you have a also okay, you have your radio show and but you also have another one. Is it a weekly one where you actually kind of do the the rootsy, uh, you know, non. Yeah. Okay, what's that called? 
the daily the daily show is Ward Gunther show, and then we have Country Risers playlist feeds that show for the most part. It's the new up and coming discovery artist. But yeah, every other weekend we do Country Roads, Country which Road. is man, I, it's great. It's like my uh, my palate cleanser because I deal in so much like brand new, fresh, up to the minute artists that I may or may not know or like, but I want to get exposed to as many people to make their own minds up. But Country Roads, you're dealing in. Linda Ronstadt and Amy Lou Harris and Texas country. I mean, I have to, I have to cheat, but that's where I'm playing my Sturgill and the deep cut Stapleton stuff where we're getting into more, more of the Zach Bryan, but also like B sides for John party or right. yeah. Haley Witters and Miranda Lambert, uh, project cuts, you know, and I'm glad that you're that's- doing that and exposing that because our, uh, on our podcast, we, we we don't really have we don't really speak much about mainstream country artists or music because we feel like there's a lot of outlets for that already. Oh yeah, we kind of focus on the country roads artist and and Craig is definitely a, way more of an expert in that than I am. In but I'm glad that you also do that because because you could like easily say, all right guys, here's what's hot in country music, and then just spoon feed it to them. But to to do the country roads, that's, that's actually it takes some time, and like he says, a palate cleanser. You know, it shows listeners, hey, there's more out there. You know that it's been, it's been awesome for several reasons. One of them, it gives me cred to a larger audience. You know, knowing things about Margot Price and Coulter Wall and Thomas Chorba and like whoever you want is on this this playlist gives me cred in the other world. So I'm not just. In Instagram scouring right. guy that knows what music's coming out, like I'm well versed, and in in getting to that point, or I'm, I'm not getting to that point. I got to that point after all the years here, but even even now on the show, I want to be as knowledgeable as possible. So I'm learning a ton about the people and the cultures around this, from the outlaw movement to like even just the roots of songs. And you can trace back a lot of these country road songs to different artists that recorded them first and different writers, and it's really fascinating, man. I'm getting the education of a of a lifetime just in building these shows and kind of knowing what I'm talking about. Yeah, Craig has done that for me. I mean, Craig, when, when did you take me to the first drive-by trucker show? That, uh, was, that was the the, uh, the Dirty South tour. The, so it'd be like 2004, maybe. Yeah, you know, 2004. And, and he was explaining to me, "Hey, there's a guy on there named Jason Isbell. Just check yeah. him out, you know." And then you start following, and then like years go by, and years go by, and then. All of a sudden, I mean, Jason Isbell is like... They were going to Walters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like... Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I don't think that bar exists anymore no, in Houston. And then you, you you find these guys out, and you're like, oh, that's cool, you know? But then years and years go by, and, and then they're actually a driving force on the music scene now. And you're, I, for me, it's just like, man, I, I'm kind of glad I believed in that guy and followed him, you know? And I hope it doesn't get too popular like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like winners were saying as pub, you know, you kind of want them to just stay in their yeah. lane. You know what I mean? <laughs> Selfishly, this is mine. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you, yeah. It, well, it's a, it's a blessing. It comes both. It works both ways for you and against you. I mean, you, you definitely want people to know about what you're doing and listen and follow and whatever, but you don't want to be so popular that you lose what made you popular. Yeah, exactly. Like the cred was huge for us at the beginning because it's like we wanted to be a local event where it was safe for, I mean, what we were talking about earlier, like you want to go where nobody is. Right. So we wanted to be the place that one Republic or Chris Young or Chris Stapleton could go and be like, I'm not going to get bugged. You know, I remember specifically seeing Sam hunt walk through the crowd one night. And I was like, okay, like if he can come here and not get 
interrupted or ask for pictures. This is a good environment. Yeah, I mean, and, I used to sing uh, karaoke with Chris Stapleton at Sam's Pub on a you know Sunday night, and he loved awesome. it because there was no one there. It was just him and his wife and 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 some friends, you know. And we'd sing you know Creedence Clearwater Revival and stuff together. And right, you know, and then that. For, you know, for me, it was just seeing like Casey Musgraves walk in, Marin Morris, and then we're all just singing karaoke to each other. There's literally no one else there. You kind of get to know people that way. I mean, I, I remember when Marin Morris came to the Santa's Pub and sang Beyonce's Halo, and I was I was like, all right, I need to call like a banker or something because somebody needs to like invest money in this girl right now. Uh, right. Like, whoa. I remember when Shay came in from Dan and Shay, Shay Mooney, and he's saying, don't stop believing. And I literally <laughs> like pulled him aside and said, hey, do you have a record deal? He was like, no, not yet. <laughs> I was like, you should have one, man. But hey, uh, Ward, real quick, uh, you keep stats on everyone that stepped foot on the Whiskey Jam stage in the past 10 years, which I'm just flabbergasted by. How many number yeah. ones have been played at Whiskey Jam? We are, we're right around two, it's, it's 290 something. So approaching 300. Amazing. Uh, and it's crazy. Well, just to like full transparency, 300 songs have been written or recorded by people that played on that stage since 2011. So right. if one person played one time and they got one number one, that counts. Yeah. If one person played one time and got 10 number ones, still, like, still counts. You know, I don't want to, discredit anybody for any of it but the point that being like you're gonna hear not that you're gonna hear a number one song before it goes big or whatever but you're gonna hear that level of talent we have a hundred shows a year right with seven or eight people so hundreds of artists and you got 30 number ones per year coming from that crowd like this is good enough i mean that's one a out of very 10. very good yes <laughs> It's yeah. wild. And then you have well then you have Peyton Manning walk in. So I mean <laughs> that's what you have at Whiskey Channel. I mean, like I just you never know what you're gonna see there on a Monday. I mean and then now you have your Thursday show in East Nashville, right at the basement east. Yes, well we were doing Tuesdays at Basement East and this is a unique phenomenon. When we started it, we were approached to like we wanna bring in your brand and bring your show to the east side to bring out a different crowd. What happened was we brought our crowd to the East Nashville, like just crossed the river. Right. So we didn't, We two, I learned two things. Like we weren't appealing to the East Nashville kind of yeah. indie crowd. Right, it's a different the vibe over we there. To the to Music Row. Right, But yeah. also that the Music Row crowd, they don't, they don't care where it is in town. They're not <laughs> right. like bound by yeah. neighborhoods or whatever. Like there it is now. They'll go there. A lot of people are partying out at Nashville Palace. Because yep. it's just kind of in a little renaissance of coolness. Yep. Yeah, we travel well. Oh, good. Well, listen, Ward, before we uh, let you go, we appreciate you being on, but tell us where our listeners can find you on your social media of choice and uh, give us the rundown on those shows again on Apple Music. The easiest way to do it just by spelling wise, go to Whiskey Jam on Instagram. My name, Ward Gunther, is, is in the bio there. My show on Apple Music Country is in your pocket. If you have an iPhone, it's still on your computer. If you have a Mac, and every morning at 10 a.m. Central, every other weekend at 2 in the afternoon for Country Roads, and whiskeyjam.com. Um, yeah, it's pretty easy. If you, I've learned if you say, hey, Siri, play Apple Music Country, it'll just bring it right up. Oh, yeah, mine's going off right now, actually. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, hey, Ward, man, thank you so much. I know you're the busiest man in Nashville. Like, seriously, uh, thanks for taking some time out today. 
It was really good chatting with you, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and, and keep up all the good work. And keep being you, man. You're one of my, like, if I'm buying stock in 2021, I'm buying all the Ward Gunther I can get. There you go. Half, half Ward, half GameStop, half Morgan Wade. That's where we're going. Might, might be a little late on GameStop, but, you know, who knows? <laughs> you never know, man. You right. never know. Thank Wait, you guys man. for talking. Thanks. All right, man. Later. All right, Eric, that was Ward Gunther. Whiskey Jam and Apple Radio. Great interview, the man. War, the war that was so of, much fun. That was a lot of fun. And you know, one thing I learned from that, because you kind of get on the inside, you've been there, you've lived in Nashville. Morgan been in that Wade. Business. All I learned from that was Morgan Wade. That's <laughs> well, all I learned from that. You were the that. last of that party. <laughs> it's really hard to break into the music business as a performer. It's a crowded field. The talent level is out of this world. And and remember how I said, hey, Ward, if I had like $10 million, yeah. I would invest in a record label with you. And he said, cool, we could lose our money together. <laughs> It used to be the joke about farming around here. You know, how do you make a million dollars in farming? Start with two million dollars. <laughs> oh, that's good, man. Anyway, it's just so hard to do. That was really a kind of a look at the yeah. inside of those new artists that are struggling to get seen and heard. Yes, They're finding definitely, finding definitely. their sound. Yeah. So good interview. That fun was a, interview. that was like a really fun interview. Like we're, we're doing really good on, these, on, on our guests, Craig. I, really I think, think so. Are, I man. think so. I think so. That that was fun interview. But so here we see, go. Uh, Seen a few. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down Rage Against the Go-Go's. That's kind of no, a dumb title. Oh, no, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for this. Pumped for this, man. The 2021 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations are out this week, and if you dismiss the first-time nominees, Jay-Z and the Foo Fighters, you kind of see you love this list because it's kind of getting into your generational wheelhouse. Okay, so last night, Craig and I sat down, and I was like, okay, Craig, we need to figure out what artists okay i asked craig about aerosmith for example last time i never asked about aerosmith <laughs> yeah. his songs that he said i'm like what I are those songs never, what are those i've never heard of them. and i'm like well okay so we we have a lot of similarities but differences right and then we were and then we, we were like okay so like what's one artist that we can like oh, all you kept agree? you kept naming rock artists then we I didn't know. have any we, to, we're not because you were trying to find that we had three or four or five songs that we liked. The, the, they were, were our favorite, same close. favorite songs, yeah. right? On rock, we nowhere were. close. I said we got to go to rap, and we were very Hip-hop. close. Yeah, with first Eminem. one, first one was Eminem, and the first three songs that you named were like those. those yes, yeah. and and I didn't name those to like impress you. Those were literally my. <laughs> yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, like, now I get to see these lists, like the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list, and I'm like, now I'm in my golden era <laughs> yeah. of Rock and Roll yeah. Hall of Fame nominees. Well, to, get, to be eligible, you have to be 25 years past your first release. Right. So that puts us in the 95 range, 95, 96 now. So the list is out, and I mentioned the Foo Fighters and Jay-Z are the two first-year nominees and boy it's a it's a diverse list a lot of women artists tina turner who i can't believe is not already in the okay okay first off carol king's carol, not in no the- she is as a non-performer oh for songwriting yeah oh okay gotcha i'm Did sure I that was that. a long time ago yeah she's already in as like a non-performer. one of the greatest of all time oh, yeah yeah no doubt that's no what doubt. we being me and craig are yeah okay but then i look at rage against the machine mm-hmm. and one of my absolute favorite brands like bands growing up as a like through my teenage years fascinated by them 
And I already thought they were in. Well, I knew they weren't because I keep wondering why they aren't. I thought the Foo Fighters were already no, in. No, they're now. And then Craig shared me, when you shared me this list, I'm looking at it, I'm like, wait a second. These people aren't in the Rock and Roll well, Hall of Fame? The, this is the first year the Foo Fighters are eligible. I, I, yeah. I, I know. So I yeah. did some research and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but like, Jay-Z, like, of course, right, Craig? Mm-hmm. He's to get in? be in, right? I think so. It's hard to see him not. I was kind is of on he... the fence a little bit because I'm going like, how does Jay-Z go in the same time as LL Cool J? See, I think LL, Ooh, LL, that's a good point. LL that's Cool J point. should be in. Okay, so, so how many hip-hop artists are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I didn't count, but isn't Run DMC in? Is that that's basically it, right? No, I think Public Enemy has to be in. Okay, maybe Sugar Hill Gang? I don't know. Mm, I, 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 didn't, I didn't do more no, research on yeah. this. I didn't do. I didn't because look up. I didn't know you were going to ask me that. No, we are answering that day and age show yeah. of when like Snoop Dogg is going to be nominated. Coming up, yeah. When did the Chronic- Dr. Dre is going to be nominated? Coming up, yeah. Tupac, Biggie, you know, all coming up. Anyway, that's what we have on the on. You know, Jay Z is is in the Foo Fighters, and then a lot of repeats. And some of these, I don't know why they're not already in. I don't. I think the Rage Against the Machine should be in. I can't imagine why Tina Turner wasn't. Yeah, that's like, odd. Like I, 10 I years ago. Yeah. Now she's in with Ike and Tina. Okay. See, Ike and Tina got in 25 years and ago. We, okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, like, Shaka Khan. And then, I, I mean, okay, I do think the Foo Fighters will, I, to be honest. So who do you think, who, who, let's start, let's do this first. Who would you vote for? Okay, looking at the list right now. Yeah. Definitely Mary J. Blige. Definitely. Okay. Definitely Foo Fighters. Definitely J.C. Well, you're, yeah, you have to say definitely. It's either a vote or it's not. It's a binary decision. Like, okay, so maybe, we're doing yeah. binary options. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Mary J. Blige, Foo Fighters, Jay-Z, Illo Cool J, Rich Hiss Machine, Tina Turner. Okay. I have no problem with saying yes or no, a binary option. Okay. okay right, no problem. I might think about Dionne Warwick. Okay. But see, I would put Dionne Warwick in as more of like a songwriter. Not I don't think she a, was a songwriter, was she? Yeah. She was? Yeah. Okay. And then I would... I don't God, know, but God. like Iron Maiden. See, here's the thing. Iron Maiden, I wasn't really into all of that in the yeah. 80s. Yeah. Like, I think all I got from the 80s was basically Metallica and like Guns N' Roses. I didn't really get into like Anthrax, Iron yeah. Maiden, all I'm of I'm the those. same way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm the same way. I just kind of missed that boat. I don't really know much about Iron Maiden, but it's weird that I don't know much about Iron Maiden. <laughs> I don't... I, Do you know what I mean? Well, like, I tell you that I would vote for the Foo Fighters, the Go Go's. Mm-hmm. The Go Go's should be in, no question. Jay Z, yeah. LL Cool J, yeah. Rage Against the Machine, yep. Tina Turner. I'm yep. voting for six. Boom. Okay, I'm not voting for Mary J. Blige. I would like to vote for Kate Bush. I wouldn't be disappointed if she got in. Oh, weird podcast. Craig and I don't agree on something. That's weird. What's that, <laughs> Mary Kate Blige? Yeah. I mean, well, pretty much we do agree. I don't think Devo is a serious nominee. I mean, you don't want to whip it? They were fun. You don't want to whip it? They were fun. I mean, they had one of the all-time great Saturday Night Live performances, but yes. I mean, okay, but then it drops off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I can see I mean, the— Doc I, Ellis pitched a no-hitter on I can LSD. Make a Does case, that get him in the Hall of Fame? I can make a case for all of them. I'm, I don't think—man, the New York Dolls. I, I don't know much about Highly influential glam rock band of the 70s, but they only made two records. They didn't right, sell. Right, But they influenced— you know, the whole punk thing that came along right, after. And, right. and they're just a, 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 a big influential band. Probably, you know, I was not a fan of their music, but their cultural impact was great. Todd Rundgren. 
I know amazing talent. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see him getting in. I just in. don't know. Like when you think about a Hall of Fame, like a like. Okay, I, I know the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame doesn't have like the copper bus like Canton, Ohio yeah. does. Or, but when you walk into a Hall of Fame and you see these names scattered or these plaques, or these tributes to these people, you should look at them and be like, oh yeah. Well, I think one of the problems with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is it's is you know they've already let more people in than Baseball Hall of Fame has. You know, yeah, they, they, I mean, they, baseball is like 264. It's really close. And I think the, the baseball hall of fame, like this year's inducting zero, zero and yep. the rock and roll hall of fame keeps inducting people. And it's a, it's a moneymaker for them. They can't really have a year where they induct one person. I agree. So, you know, you're going to get to the Todd Rundgren's. I, I mean, I, he's a fantastic. I do feel like though, Craig, I do feel like we're going to get to an era where there's not many more inductees because I feel like. Where we grew up, those were Hall of Fame type of artists. I don't know an artist right now who pegs my radar who's Hall of Fame worthy. Maybe The Weeknd. Maybe well, we're, Cyrus. We're, we're just gonna I, maybe we're, Taylor Swift. We're I just, don't know, man. I we're don't just know. gonna have to do a show on me educating you that rock isn't dead. Okay, uh, okay. I'm just gonna have we're gonna have to, right, gonna have to do that. Listeners, y'all, y'all, y'all. Okay. okay. Because there's a lot of bands that are releasing music in the 2010s that are going to be. Okay. Hard, you know. We will do that then. Yeah. Okay, I'm down for that, Greg. Now, what you're not going to see is bands like in the old days, like Credence, would do nine records in four years or seven right. records. In four, those days are over. But right. as far as bands releasing, you know great, what? We will do a podcast. Thank you, Craig. We're yeah. going to do that. We're we going will. to do that. I said last episode. Yeah. Rock is You've dead. said it before. I always correct. I've said it numerous times. I always correct you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. All right. I don't know if it's going to be next episode or when we're going to do it, but I am down for that, Craig. I am so down for that. So I've got six in. So you you were no or yes on the Go Go's? Uh, I oh they were they were okay. I haven't. I just looked at the list. They named you five real quick. Okay. The, all right. the Go-Go's probably yes. The Go-Go's should already have been in. Yeah. The Go-Go's were the first band. Maybe that's something we agree on then. I think, okay, well, I think Mayor Jay Bly should be in. You don't. That's cool. I had to, to I grew up in the 90s. Well, so. not this year. Okay. Because cool. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to vote for nine people. I'm going to be at six or seven, maybe. I think five is a good number. Or five. But, yeah. that, but I don't know who I would kick out. I've got six. Right. But the Go-Go's were the first band. All females right. to write write their own songs Boom. and play their own songs Boom. and go to number one. There you go. Okay, that's and cool. they did it more than once. That's cool. And they get in, and they should have got in twenty five years after that first record. Amen. For do for for yes. breaking that that, I agree. that glass ceiling. I agree. And Tina Turner, I still, I mean, I'd love to hear one some of my favorites, man. <laughs> I would just like somebody to explain to me how she's not already yet. I have no idea. Like, I lost all of us. Like, I mean, wait, is this it's almost like It's almost like they were going, wait, I thought she was already yeah, yeah, it's like, what? Is this Travis Turner? Oh, no, you mean Tim? Oh, oh, whoa, whoa, no, whoa. No, she, surely she was inducted 15 years ago. Surely. No, we never inducted her. We'll get her on the ballot. Yeah, proud Mary. Duh. I mean, what else do I need to say? Yeah, you can just imagine her coming in from Switzerland where oh she lives God. and just stealing the show at age 80, whatever. <laughs> Always. The, one of my uh, favorites, the man. Foo Fighters will be fighting. We'll just yeah, play. With, we'll like, just hey, we'll whoa, just play whoa. with Tina. <laughs> yeah, but so funny that the that Prince covered. Uh, yeah. uh, okay, so the halftime show. Yeah, Foo Fighters, Tina Turner, like Prince. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what's funny because on his halftime show he covered "Proud Mary," which was written by John Fogerty, which, in my opinion, Tina Turner made famous. Right. Then he follows up with the Foo Fighters cover. Yeah. Okay. And he goes into "Purple Rain." <laughs> Then they're both Prince on, yeah. is the genius. Yep, yep. He's the only person that threw his guitar in the air. <laughs> so anyway, I've got six. I think you had seven. 
going in. We'll see uh, when the ballots are yeah. returned or however they do it. I don't even know if they ballot it. I think they do it. It is a fun, it's a fun discussion. It's I think they topic. do like, how many tickets will they buy if we let them in? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, okay. So like, like several thousand dollars a plate. <laughs> yes, like, definitely. Will the New York Dolls bring a bunch of people? I don't think so. Probably not. So they're not getting in. Yeah. They're not getting in. Listen, this is Hooks and Runs, a podcast about baseball, music, and culture. Twitter. We thank you for listening. Twitter. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on DM Twitter, us. Man, we can have so many cool topics on Twitter. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter, please. Which, by the way, just to wrap up before we go, I did tell you, and I put it on Twitter, I did watch the weekend. I didn't watch it before the show. I know you did. Close to top five for thank me. You. I thought it was fantastic. Thank you, Craig. Thank you. So did I. So did I.